Welcome to episode four of Time Travel Rock here on 90.3 KRNU. I am Jackson Reddick here at Anderson Hall. Today we will be talking about the English rock band Foreigner. Uh, the band Foreigner was created by uh, headman Mick Jones. He was a member of multiple bands before Foreigner was created. He was a member of Nero and the Gladiators, Johnny Halliday's band, Spooky Tooth, and the Leslie West Band. Other original members in the band was Lou Graham, vocalist, Ian McDonald, keyboardist, Ed Gagliardi, bassist, Dennis Elliott, a drummer, and Al Greenboard, a keyboardist. The original name of the band was Trigger. John Kaladner, who worked in A&R at Atlantic, uh, at Atlantic Records, excuse me. The issue was was that there was another band named Trigger at the time. So when Calendar put that initial CD track from Foreigner on the president's desk, Jerry L. Greensburg or Greenberg, there there was confusion because there's multiple bands, uh, and. Kaladner really needed to convince Greenberg that one of these songs was going to become a hit. So Mick Jones went back, talked to the guys in the band, and they changed their name to Foreigner due to them all being from, I think two or three of them was from the United States and the other half was from England. So no matter what, some of them were Foreigners. So that's why they went with the band name and they just went off and ran with it. So Foreigner's first album was a self-titled album, the first album they released was named Foreigner, released in March of 1977, where Bud Prager took over as the band's manager. Uh, It was very, very well received, that first album. Sold 5 million copies in the United States, stayed in the top 20 for over a year, with a peak at number 4. It was top 10 in both Canada and Australia as well, even going number 1 in Norway. (laughs) Just a a random fun fact. Uh, Three massive hits off of that album. Uh, feels like the first time hit number four in the United States and number seven in Canada, which I'll play for you right now. So it feels like the first time from Foreigner.
another hit off of their original self-titled album, Foreigner. Another good song off of that album would be Cold as Ice, which reached its way to number six in the United States and number nine in Canada. Here it is, Cold as Ice from Foreigner. After the release of their initial album, Foreigner, uh, May of 1977, the band was really already touring, and that first album reached a gold record as well. So, I mean, the band, 
rarely do you ever see the first album they make is so successful and the band really catapulted with that they played at the california jam 2 on march 8 1978 and then they released their second album double vision released in june of 1978 selling seven million records more than their first album in the united states that was peaking at number three in both the u.s and canada the first album to chart in the united kingdom for them as well where they were from it peaked at number 32 Uh, Massive hits from that album, Hot Blooded, which came in at number three in the U.S. and Canada, and then Double Vision, the uh, title track, reached number two in the United States and number seven in Canada. I will play those back-to-back for you right here. First off, it will be Double Vision, and then secondly, I'll play Hot Blooded by Foreigner.
After the releases of their first two studio albums in Foreigner and then with Double Vision, they came back for their third album, Head Games, in in September of 1979. Uh, Lou Graham said to believe it was their grainiest album, you know, the roughest that they've made. And in that album, they actually did make some changes to the band. Ed Gagliardi was replaced by Rick Willis. Lou Graham later explained in an autobiography of his that Gagliardi would stray away from what the band wanted to do musically and stylistically, that during training sessions that Mick Jones would have to stop sessions completely to correct him and say, hey man, get back onto this uh, the same you know vision that we're on with one another. And that really kind of took a toll on the band a little bit. Uh, they came back and in that album, two songs that I'll play for you from that album, the first song being Dirty White Boy. It was one of those where he was saying like the graininess and the graininess and the kind of straying away from their first two albums. You know, they're obviously in the first couple of albums as well. I mean, there's talk with, you know, obviously as a, a band in the 70s and the 80s, you know, they're writing songs about women and how they want to, you know, trying to get with women basically is what these male uh, rock bands were writing about. And with Head Games, you know, in that out al- in the album, that's what they were talking about and what they were trying to do. And Graham went on to say that you know he was disappointed with over with the overall conjecture of Head Games. Thought it was unfinished, uh, and it sold about two million copies fewer than Double Vision. Nonetheless, here are the two songs that I'll play for you: "Dirty White Boy" and then the title track "Head Games."
Even after Head Games was released, the band went through even more changes as two members of the band were basically fired almost as Ian McDonald and Al Greenwood were let go as Mick Jones really wanted more control over the band and writing songs with Lou Graham. And Graham said that communication was just an issue and that the band really needed to just move on at that point, that they didn't really see a future with the two guys that they let go in McDonald and Greenwood. And just McDonald in a 1999 interview later said that, you know, Mick and Lou decided they really wanted to be the focus of the band and that Mick wanted to make it apparent that it was really his band and he wanted to make it smaller. And, you know, McDonald said that he really wouldn't have wanted to leave. He loved the group and it really was not his decision whatsoever. Uh, There was more just creative issues and really just with wanting Mick Jones wanting to have more control over the band. Uh, The band was now down to four people as session players were kind of just brought in to record and tour almost with the band. There was a multitude of people that went on to record with them. And it was just always just kind of mixed, basically. Uh, You know, it was just kind of spotty almost. Uh, They released their next album in 1981-4, where they had a couple of really, really good songs on here that were very popular. Uh, Going through some of the songs on here, Urgent, which was one of their 
big hits, peaked at number four on the U.S. Top 100 and topped the U.S. album Rock Tracks chart and the Canadian RPM singles chart. Became their biggest hit to date in Germany as well, reaching the top 15, higher than any other singles from that album. And where in Australia, it peaked at number 24 and in the U.K. where it did not chart. The second single, Jukebox Hero, was very successful all throughout rock stations in North America. Probably one of the most well-known foreigner songs to date if you asked anybody about foreigner they would probably say i if you play a little bit of that song you would know jukebox hero funny story actually when i was in middle school uh, we were foreigner came to the lead center i believe i was in seventh or eighth grade i don't remember what grade i was in but foreigner came to the lead center and there was a competition to sing Cold as Ice with them i believe was the song that you were competing to help be the background music with them and you had to send in an entry and this was my i was in an all boys choir we called it man choir but it was all men and we sang jukebox hero and it was really just it was a fun time that we did it really took i think it took us i can't remember maybe a day a couple of sessions that we did and we finally recorded it and we hammered it out in one afternoon it was Definitely very interesting. We had fun with it. We we didn't win the uh, contest, which kind of sucked, but it, it was fun to just sit back, and I've always resonated with that song nowadays. Any rock and roll playlist that I have, I definitely have Jukebox Hero on it. And it, uh, you know, if you look through the whole song, it goes just looking through it, you know, it's a guy who's, you know, in a town without a name and a heavy down. But, you know, it's it's just a story of how one single guitar can really change somebody's life. And you pick up music and you, um, you know, you pick it up and you try to teach it to yourself and you learn it. And it and it's really just for me, it's just about how music can really change somebody's life if you get into it or if you just listen to a song, honestly. And I'll play that song in a little bit. But the uh, Jukebox Hero reached number three on the U.S. rock track charts. But only reached number 26 on the U.S. Hot 100 and number 39 in Canada. It was the the third single released from the album as well, uh, Waiting for a Girl Like You. Went number two on the U.S. Hot 100 for a record con- 10 consecutive weeks. And like Urgent, it also topped the U.S. Rock Tracks chart. It also went to number two in Canada and became the first single to reach the top 10 in the U.K., which reached number eight. Australia went to number three while reaching the top 20 in the Netherlands and Belgium. Just very uh, odd places as well. And top 30 in Germany and France. I will play those three songs for you. The first song that I will play for you is Urgent.
and after that urgent i will be playing jukebox hero and then waiting for a girl like you
After 4 was released and the band went on a tour in 1981 and 1982, Peter Rylich. Bob Mayo and Mark Rivera helped the band out as they needed some members to help out. Those three guys worked with keyboards, synthesizers, guitar, backing vocals. They did it really all. They just helped the band out. Rivera and Mayo continued with the band throughout 1988, and Relich was dropped in May of 1982. For Foreigner's next album, Agent Provocateur, it was released in 1984, and in 1985 gave them their first and only number one hit song. And that song being I Want to Know What Love Is, a ballad which was backed by Jennifer Holliday in the New Jersey Mass Choir, topped the charts in the United States, UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Norway, Sweden, multiple other countries, while hitting number three in Germany, number four in France, and number six in the Netherlands and Belgium. Just a worldwide hit was that song. And that is a song, the next song that I'll be playing for you, I Want to Know What Love Is by Foreigner.
after Agent Provocateur, the band really, I, I wouldn't say fell off their prime, but I think that's really kind of what it was for them. Mick Jones did other commitments. He started a side career as a producer. He side produced Van Halen's 5150 in 1986, Bad Company's Fame and Fortune in 1986, and then Billy Joel's Stormfront in 1989. Just, you know, not their bestest times. They released in December of 1987 Inside Information, which had hits such as Say As You Will and I Don't Want to Live Without You. On May 14, 1988, the band headlined Atlantic Records' 40th anniversary concert at Madison Square Garden, culminating with a multitude of artists such as Phil Collins, Crosby, Stills & Nash, and Roberta Flack, as another Atlantic artist joined in, singing the choir of I Want to Know What Love Is. Later during that summer, the band went back on the road touring for inside information, but was limited to Europe, Japan, and Australia. For the tour, Rivera and Mayo were not available, so Larry Oakes, Lou... Cordelezzi was, they augmented the uh, quartet of Graham, Jones, Elliott, and Willis, just kind of backing up those guys. Uh, in the late 1980s, though, Jones and Graham each put out their own solo efforts on Atlantic. Graham released Ready or Not in January 1987, and shortly after that release, rehearsals for Foreigner's next album had started to, you know, put themselves at a halt because Graham's status was really uncertain with the group. After the promotion of concert and or the promotion of concert dates, excuse me, for Graham's album were finished, cooler heads then prevailed and Graham rejoined Foreigner in the studio for Inside Information, which was out at the end of 1987. Jones had Mick Jones, the self-titled album in August of 1989. Then Graham followed with his second solo release, Long Hard Look, in October of 1989, and decided to leave the group in May of 1990 while preparing to tour behind Long Hard Look as the opener for the Steve Miller Band. After finishing this tour, Graham went on to form the short-lived band Shadow King, which put out one album in which put out one album on Atlantic in 1991. Meanwhile, Jones brought in a new lead singer to the band, Johnny Edwards, who performed for a multitude of other bands. Edwards made his first live appearance with Foreigner at the Long Island Club. Stephen Talkhouse on August 15, 1990, where he, Jones, Dennis Elliott, and Rick Willis appeared, joined by special guest Terry Thomas, who was on guitar at that point, and Eddie Mack on harmonica. The new rendition of Foreigner released the album Unusual Heat in June of 1991. This was at the time. This at the time was their worst-selling album and only climbed as high as number 117 on the Billboard Top 200. Although Low Down and Dirty was a minor was a minor hit. And it reached number four on that chart. In July of 1991, the new lineup of Foreigner played some European dates as well, uh, made its official U.S. debut on August 9th, performing on the second night of a Billy Joel benefit concert at the Deep Hollow Ranch in Montauk, New York, which raised funds for the prevention for the preservation of the Montauk Point Lighthouse. You know, the band just really did not get back to their usual ways. Lou Graham then returned in 1992 where he rejoined the band, bringing along his Shadow King bandmate Bruce Turgeon to replace bassist Willis, who'd left after the band's 1991 tour. Kind of had a falling out with Mick Jones as well. And the band really never just got back to their usual ways. Uh, just never really got to where they wanted to be again. They were never really in the limelight. They went on to release music 
After inside information, or after unusual heat, excuse me, they released Mr. Moonlight in 1994 and then took a whole big long pause after that album. Looking back on Foreigner, they definitely had some amazing hits such as Jukebox Hero, Head Games, I Wanna All I Wanna Know What Love Is. They really were just a typical English rock band back in the 1970s, 80s, 90s, and they had multitude of success. I mean, they had more success than a lot of other bands could really say. They're just kind of one of those cult classic bands, I guess you could say. They weren't really the most sought after, and they were not the most hyped up band. They weren't the most popular band, but they have some really good songs that always resonate and songs that I always like to keep on my rock and roll playlist. But that's going to wrap up episode four of Time Travel Rock. I am Jackson Reddick here on 90.3 KRNU. Once again, I really appreciate anybody who's tuned in and who's listening to this, and you have a great rest of your afternoon.